Hello and welcome to the latest Career Academy podcast, produced for students studying A-levels and BTECs in business-related subjects, and particularly for people who are part of Career Academies in their own schools and colleges. My name's John May, and I'm the Chief Executive of the UK Career Academy Foundation. In today's programme, we hear from Sir Wynne Bischoff, Chairman of Citigroup Europe, about some of the things he wishes he'd known when he was 18, and from Susan Kilsby, Head of Mergers and Acquisitions at Credit Suisse, about a particular deal that changed the way she thought about doing business. In our last podcast, I mentioned our Partners in Business scheme, which is available to all Career Academy students, allowing you the opportunity to be teamed up with a volunteer from the business world who can provide you with coaching, advice and support during your Career Academy course. If you're in the first year of the programme, now's a good time to think about applying for a business partner. Your Career Academy coordinator has all the details, so ask them for an application form. Thanks very much also for the emails you sent following our first podcast. I'm glad you found the programme interesting, but yes, you are right. I do need to take some lessons in radio production. Some of the volume levels are a bit strange, and I'm afraid they're probably not that much better this time round either. The UK Career Academy Foundation is a small charity, and the podcast is produced at my home on the computer in my spare room, so I realise the quality isn't very professional. But there's good news. We're looking to work with some media studies students in one of our schools to rack up the production values after Christmas. So hopefully, in due course, the quality will improve. But until then, um, just please be patient. Now, if you were to go into any city firm and mention the name of Sir Wynne Bischoff, business leaders would nod and smile. He's one of the best-known and respected senior financiers in the country. As the chairman of Citigroup Europe, he heads up the corporate governance of the world's largest bank. He's had a long and distinguished career with time spent in Hong Kong, the US and all over Europe. And he's also the chairman of the UK Career Academy Foundation. And it'll be him at the end of your studies who presents you with your Career Academy graduation certificate. When I saw him, he was in his office on the 16th floor of Citigroup Centre one of the tallest office towers in Canary Wharf, with a view of most, if not all, of London's landmarks. I asked him to think back to when he was 18, and to consider what he knows now, but wishes he'd known then. Yeah, I mean, uh, five things that I wish I'd known. Um, One or two immediately come to mind. Mm. uh, And uh, one is, um, I suspect that and that applies probably to many young people, that hard work can actually be very satisfying. And uh, I think we all work reasonably hard, but we probably work hard enough to to get by and to do reasonably well. But um, the, the satisfaction from working really hard is, um, I think, something that I had known, uh, that I wish I'd known. Um, the when second... Did, when, when did that first, first really hit you, then? Oh, I think once you get to university, you know that um, you look around and there are many people who are really quite bright. Uh, And then you find that there are those who are quite bright and who work very hard. And um, I think it's quite quite interesting. And and they seem to be having a perfectly nice time at the same time. Um, They're competent. They have a nice girlfriend and, and so on, and yet they work hard. So, But if you haven't been used to hard work, it's actually quite tough then. Um, 
you have to discipline yourself and I think it's actually better to to discipline your pro yourself probably around 16, 17 um, you know before you go to university Did you? because it gets progressively tougher at some time or other if you want to succeed you have to work quite hard Did you? At uh, 16? Start working hard? Or was it later? It, it was my, in my last it was probably it was probably my first year at university because I'd got good grades and you know despite it uh, despite not working very hard I'd got good grades and so on but I found at university um, that there is a collection of individuals who've got good grades and, and you know you've got to work I mean the competition is harder there and then when you get into a job whatever job that is whether that's in this uh, in the public in the private sector in the social sector wherever it is I think uh, people who who work hard and who've got a bit of brain uh, will, will actually distinguish themselves. So that that was uh, that was one of the things. Um, number two, then. Number two, um, that uh, people in authority very often do have your best interests at heart. Um, that very often one thinks of teachers, parents, whatever it is, uh, as 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 people who um, are only interested in making you go a certain way uh, I don't think that's I don't think that's right I think there are very many people out there who to some extent we look up to or who have positions of authority who try and think themselves into your own uh, into your own circumstances and uh, I think one I think one 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 forgets that sometimes, and one um, one uh, benefits, I think, by by thinking about that. That they probably do have the best interest at heart. So that's that's. Uh, did I? Um, how did that manifest itself? Not perhaps there, but I remember asking my father what what um, I should do, and he was he was sort of quite definite as to what I should do, uh, and and it was good advice. So, so that were, that's uh, number two. Number three, then. Um, again, along a similar line, that there are quite a lot of people out there who, if you ask them for advice, can give you quite good advice. They're quite shrewd. They're quite shrewd. On the other hand, I think uh, you should be also your own person. Um, while they may be quite shrewd in relation to what is out there and what 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 the opportunities are. You've got to fit fix, fit those opportunities uh, into what hopefully might be called a little bit of self knowledge that you have of yourself and and uh, uh, and be realistic. Uh, what what you can achieve. Uh, aim high, uh, but aim high on a realistic basis. Um, I, I I think. Uh, and um, so, when did you decide that you were going to be the chairman of uh, never, the European never, chairman of the ne largest bank in the world? Never, of course, decided that because I think that's the other thing. You can't. I don't think I've ever. I've, I think very, very few people can actually say at sixteen or eighteen what the limit of their capabilities um, is, because it's so much influenced by. Environment, the surroundings, the type of firm that you join, uh, the the management around you, the uh, openings which occur, the willingness 
that you may have to take on um, jobs which aren't necessarily thought to be the most outstanding but which then turn out to be me going to Hong Kong when um, other people weren't willing to go to Hong Kong because it wasn't then a sexy go-ahead place. Well, um, in the 12 years that I was there, it became really a factory for entrepreneurialism and, and, and so on, and they obviously bucked off. Um, had I not taken that, I didn't know um, where I would have ended up. Uh, probably not, not where I did end up. So, I think uh, realism, I think, is quite important. Um, aiming high is quite important, but inflexibility, don't, don't, don't be too inflexible. Um, the next one is that... Um, uh, I think a realization that school and university, but school actually is quite fun. Um, I think that probably comes later on, it uh, comes probably in the last year or two at school, um, when one can see what the next stage is going to be, when one has a pretty good idea that one can go on to a particular job or go on to university or whatever it is that unless one files up that's pretty much set fair um, one can look back on three or four or five years of, of high school of, uh, and, and, and have achieved something once A levels are um, coming through quite nicely etc etc uh, I think it becomes fun then uh, I think it should actually I wish it, uh, one had realised that actually the years before were quite fun too did you enjoy your school? Oh yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where were they? Uh, in first, well, first of all, in Germany, and then in South Africa. I always enjoyed school. I think it, when, of course, it's relatively easy to. Enjoy. I, I didn't enjoy. At, at some things, I wasn't. Um, I wasn't at, as good as I might have been. I, I was pretty good at, as I said before, I was pretty good at the sort of scholastic side of things. I was reasonably good at sports, but. I never made the first team, and I had an enormous hero worship for those people who either at cricket or rugby made the first team. I was a pretty good swimmer. I wasn't the first team in swimming, but um, you know, it's it's extraordinary what one thinks is important, and that would have been the most important thing. Um, uh, um, uh, you carried on with sport, haven't you? Yeah, I carried on with sport. I think the other thing that's quite interesting, particularly for young men, is. Uh, all these sportsmen seem to have the prettiest girls as their girlfriend, whereas those who were reasonably clever, uh, I think they only got they only got pretty girlfriends later on, uh, but not perhaps at, at at school. There's a sort of um, macho thing that people, that young men, they look up tremendously to others, and young girls seem to do too. So um, anyway, that's just by the by. Something about making passes at people wearing glasses. I think. Yeah. Well, that's right. Absolutely right. I think the fifth thing, and that is something that is really, I can't say that I, I wish I'd, I'd known it at school, but it, it's, it's true, and, and because it, it actually is not just something at school but that I've known more about recently, and that is the, the whole era, uh, area of comparative religion and, and, and cultures and so on. I wish quite honestly that I had known more or even now know more about Islam. I mean it's just something it's becoming very very important uh, 
in the world. Uh, it's it's uh, obviously a, a, a tremendous force uh, for, for for good. It, I'm sure it can be. And I wish that there had been uh, just a, a more instruction right throughout my life in relation to Islam. I now um, am reading a, a lot more about it, but I wish I'd done uh, done it then, and perhaps in the intervening forty years. Uh, so that's the that's the fifth. That's a that's a disappointment in in a way that uh, all of us in the West have really um, have really neglected that. And I suspect, by the same token. There must be many people um, in, in, in the East of um, Islam persuasion and so on who wish that they knew more about um, um, Western religions and Western cultures and so on. Uh, and um, I hope that that's something that you know, over the years is going to come uh, together more. Well, thank you. Good. Sir Wynne Bischoff, Chairman of Citigroup Europe, reflecting on the five things he wishes he'd known at 18. The week beginning the 13th of November is National Enterprise Week. You may find yourself involved in activities at your own school or college to mark the occasion, but if you're a first-year Career Academy student, you're also likely to find yourself travelling fairly early in the morning to Canary Wharf in London for our annual Introduction to Business Conference. This year, we've got a record number of students attending and a record number of companies providing workshops and activities as part of the day. We'll feature a report on the event in our next podcast. Now to Susan Kilsby, the head of mergers and acquisitions at the multinational bank Credit Suisse. The phrase mergers and acquisitions, or M&A, refers to the aspect of corporate finance strategy and management dealing with the merging and acquiring of different companies. Mergers are a tool used by companies for the purpose of expanding their operations and increasing their profit. Usually, mergers occur in a setting where everyone's in agreement that the merger should happen. Executives from the target company help those from the purchaser to ensure that the deal is beneficial to both parties. Acquisitions, however, are different in that they can also happen through a hostile takeover by purchasing the majority of outstanding shares of a company in the open market against the wishes of the target's board. So, if you're the head of M&A at an investment bank like Credit Suisse, you're the one who helps firms through the tricky business of merger or acquisition, often as the broker of a deal, since a merger or acquisition is a sales opportunity for the bank. If one company wants to merge with another, it has to attain a fair market value for its shares to be swapped, which would involve an investment bank in the deal. And if it wants to buy the other company with borrowed money, it would most likely borrow directly from investors in the form of bonds through a private placement, again engineered by the investment bank. So investment banks position themselves to act as advisors on mergers and acquisitions, and Susan is Credit Suisse's leading advisor. When I spoke to her, she was in a mood to reminisce. I'm not, I don't know whether it was a turning point, but the very first large deal I worked on as a young M&A banker, um, I worked on uh, a company called DuPont, a big chemical company, bought a company called Conoco, a big energy company, and this is 1981. So very early in the M&A business, um, I was, I'd been working about six months uh, out of university when I started to work on it. And it was the biggest deal that had ever been done or 
up to that at, at that time, and it was seven billion dollars or something like that in 1981, and I got exposure to people and situations and responsibility that I never ever could have imagined that I would see at that age. And um, I got exposure to um, a very senior M&A banker, a, a man named Joe Perella, who um, is uh, now, I guess, in his early 60s, but uh, was a founder of the firm Wasserstein Perella and worked at First Boston. And he was an amazing character. It still is an amazing character, but at, at that time he was a bigger-than-life person, and he, he, he was... Uh, in in all situations, he he made sure you learned the lessons not only of the deal but of the people and how people are thinking and um, you know what motivates people and he was very focused on the rather than the numbers or the uh, tactics the people issues around the transactions. And by people issues, I don't just mean who's going to run the company, but I mean what motivates people to make certain decisions and how do you get them to do what you need them to do. And I, it was an eye-opening experience for me because he was brash and blunt and spoke his mind. He said, I have a fantastic story. I don't know if you're going to use this on the tape, but I have a fantastic story, which I love to tell about Joe Perella. He was... We were working with DuPont, which had a AAA credit rating, and basically now almost no companies have a AAA credit rating, but they had a AAA credit rating, and they didn't want to use um, cash to buy this company, which meant that they were probably going to be unsuccessful because um, you have to use some cash, or that, at least that, that was necessary at that time. It was a competitive bidding situation. And Perel is talking to this very proper chief executive of... DuPont, which is a very straight-laced, you know, uh, American company, and he's he's yelling at the guy, and he's saying, "I don't want to just say I announced the biggest deal in history. I want to say we won the biggest deal in history." And the guy's saying, "Well, you know, with AAA credit rating, I don't want to borrow so much money. I don't want to sacrifice my credit rating." And Joe Perella stops and says. A triple A credit rating is like virginity. You'll lose it when the time is right. <laughs> and it has stuck with me my whole life. I mean, just he he found a way to say to this guy, um, in a very blunt, very direct way, that you know there are, uh, you know, this is the appropriate time in your life. This is a big decision for you. When it's the right time, you have to make the right choices. And I think from that, I, I mean, I watched him do that. It obviously had a lot of impact because it's 25 years ago, and I remember it word for word. He probably doesn't remember any of it. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it made me realize the, how people saw these decisions, these corporate decisions, that for them they were very personal. And that uh, it even though they're sp splashed all over the press and they look like they're not personal. For every individual involved, they're very personal, they're very important, and they're life-changing for those individuals. So um, it, that, seeing all that was, was eye-opening for me.
well, Susan Killsby there from Credit Suisse. Well, that's it for this podcast. I'll post another one before the Christmas break. But if you want to write to me in the meantime about the podcast or the Career Academy programme in detail, please do. My name's John May, and my email address is john.may at careeracademies.org.uk. Until next time, goodbye.